we are with Ed Daniels from AI. Ed has been in the news in Bristol recently. Ed Daniels has created an app detecting if an essay has been generated using AI. You make a computer smell both of them like a drug sniffing dog and then if something smells a lot more like one than the other, chances are there's been someone of it involved in that. It's almost another tool that you need to learn how to use properly. A really interesting Bristol Truth post. Tell us a little bit about that. It was a very well written post. There's some not understanding the kind of future proofing of this. I think most of it comes from fear, isn't it? Like, I'm not trying to stop everybody from using it forever. I'm very, very pro ChatGPT. I love it. People will be using it, some people won't be using it, and people will be left behind. That's what I'm scared of currently. What big picture excites you, scares you about the next 10 years? You're going to have these language models in your phone. What scares me with it is all the misinformation makes that even easier. Hello and welcome to Degrees of Freedom. We are in back in Bristol for a one-hour special with Ed Daniels from AI. Hello, Ed. Hello. Hello. Um, Ed has been in the news in Bristol recently. He's developed an app that uh, detects AI use in academic work, caused a bit of a stir amongst students, amongst uh, people that are excited in the sector. So we thought, why not get the man himself to talk all about it? We do. We're very excited. So we thought we'd ask ChatGBT to write the introduction for this podcast for us. So the response we got is, for your podcast, you can introduce ChatGBT as an advanced AI language model that can generate text-based responses in real time, capable of engaging in conversation exchanges with users on a wide range of topics. It is important to note that ChatGBT is an AI model and does not have personal opinions or experiences and its responses are generated based on patterns in data. On the other hand, Albie and I do have opinions and we do have experiences, so I'm sure we've got lots to add. And we've Hopefully. used ChatGPT because that is the thing that everyone's heard of. Yeah. There are other AI models and things Swearing out there. Out. There's a new one every other day. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> but if that's the one that people are using potentially for academic work. So Ed, would you mind telling us a bit about Firstly, what ChatGPT does, but also then how your app AI works in detecting it. Yeah, sure thing. So, so ChatGPT, the GPT in it means it's a general, uh, general purpose transformer. Is I'm pre pretty sure what it stands for. Uh, so. I mean, what, what it basically does, it's a, it's a language model. So what all of these large language models do is you, originally what they would do is you would give them the start of a sentence and then it would predict the rest of it. Uh, so things like that have been around for a while. The, you know, one of the, one of the early good ones was GPT-2. So that's still developed by this, the same company. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then what the kind of major breakthrough was with the, the kind of chat, GPT models. Uh, it wasn't kind of changed the actual underlying architecture of it or anything. It was just um, uh, fine tuning it with humans in the loop to be kind of more instruction focused. So it went from being able to just kind of, I would start a sentence and it would finish the sentence to I ask it a question and it knows I'm asking a question and the question should be followed by answers. So that, that's the difference between, you know, chat GPT and the kind of older GPTs. Mm. And then basically what my app does is, you know, computers are really good at classifying things. So say you've got a big folder of uh, AI generated stuff and another big folder of, um, you know, stuff from the 60s that definitely didn't have any AI involved at all. You make a computer smell both of them like a drug sniffing dog. And then if something smells a lot more like one than the other, chances are, you know, 
there's been someone involved in that. Right. Okay. So that so ChatGPT relies on a big database or Huge. a lot of databases. Yeah. And then that guess is checked by a huge team of humans. Um, sort of. So it's more. So with the with the human in, in the in the loop things, it was it's more about giving it lots of kind of ideal examples of responses. Mm. So instead of just asking it a question and letting it respond, you would ask it a question, give it an ideal response of how it would respond, and being like, "This is what we want," and it does something, and you go, "No, no, no, this is what we want," and it does something that goes, "No, no, this is what right. we want," and then eventually yeah. it it knows what you want to get out of it. And I, we hear everywhere the word like training an AI. Mm-hmm. So like, is that training? Is that how that yeah, works? Yeah, so that, that, is, that is the kind of training bit of it. So the, the unfortunate thing with the open AI ones, which is the ones most people use, is you can't really train chat GPT. You can, you can fine tune it a bit with prompts. Is this us, the user? Yeah, so this is the actual... Because it's been trained. Yeah, originally. so it's been, it's been trained by them and... Uh, there are other kind of more open source ones that you can then download and start training yourself. So there's there's Facebook's um, Llama one, and there's um, GPT Neo, and uh, a couple kind of other ones. Uh, but then with the actual Chat GPT ones, the only thing you can really do is give it. Um, I think they call them system prompts. So instead of actually training it, you don't really need to train it because it's already a, a general purpose one. Mm-hmm. It can do most things adequately. So instead of entirely training it on new data, you can just give it a couple prompts before you give it the initial prompt. And that will kind of let it know what it wants you to do. So say you're trying to change, uh, train it to give you essay writing advice. You would firstly give it this massive prompt as the system prompt to fine tune it into being more essay focused. So, and that will be full of stuff like, I'm writing an essay on this. What would a good title be? I'm writing an essay on this. What would a good title be? With examples of perfect responses. And then, cause it's general purpose, it can look at all of these responses and be like, oh, okay, it wants me to be in an essay instructor brilliant and so for example when that. when ellie did that intro she could have done this is a podcast aimed at 50 year old ceos versus this is a podcast aimed at uh, 16 year old students who so, don't know much about ai so that would uh, that would come under more prompt engineering okay. rather than actual fine-tuning so pr- prompt engineering is also really important so that's when you're giving it as much context as possible b- beforehand yeah uh, but then the actual the actual fine tuning of it is slightly different because that would come before you even give it the prompt. So you make your own little version of it where it's always got that initial prompt is kind of like an above one. And then whatever question you ask it, it's always can refer back to that one and be like, okay, that's how they want it. That's how they want it. That's how they want it. Okay. So it's, a lot more intricate than I realized what you actually put into ChatGPT. Yeah. So mm. the, the more specific and contextualized your prompt is, you get so much, so much better responses. So that's that's one of the things that we want to start teaching people because like, obviously this should go into university soon. And it's important. The use of ChatGPT yeah. or AI, you think? Yeah, yeah, the use of AI. But it's important that people know how to use it. Yeah. You know, in the same way, you wouldn't just give someone a calculator and say, do maths. You'd teach them the theories and how to put the numbers in it beforehand. Uh, and I think that's needed with AI. Because, I mean... Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a tool, isn't it? And it's you wouldn't you get taught how to reference or use Google Scholar. And it's almost another tool that you need to learn how to use properly. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. So then to come back to AI... 
your detection yeah, software. So, yeah, so fundamentally, there's no way of knowing that something has been made by AI, right? It's a. Um, it's there's traits. There, there are traits. A lot of it is kind of statistical, and we can. There's I, no I, tag. There's there's no tag. There's no watermark with it, no. which is a little bit dangerous. And how does there, that differ to like the plagiarism landscape, which oh, so has been here for a long time? Plagiarism, it's pretty much a solved problem because you can just, if it exists in that terminology, you can just find it somewhere, and you know. That's just, you know, it's a Google search. If mm. someone's written the exact same thing that's in another paper and there aren't quotation marks around it, you know for a fact they have stolen that work. Mm. That This is completely different because it doesn't exist anywhere. It will never give you something that does exist somewhere. So the only way that we can go about detecting it is based more on the kind of these statistical models of being like, well if you always say the perfect word that we expect you're going to say next, and I can predict the next 10 words that you're going to say, that's a little bit dodgy, mate. Like, mm. but you're, you're right. It's not, you know, it's not a hundred percent accurate in all cases. And I, I think the, the bigger problem with um, most of the detection aspect of it, if you don't want it to be detected, you certainly can get around the detectors quite easy. And that's most detectors on the market, you know, it, yeah. it, it's any of them. Cause you know, simply inserting mistakes into your work is one way to do it. It's <laughs> yeah. like if you put a comma in the wrong place, you know, these models are trained to use immaculate grammar. So if you've got a comma in the wrong place, most detectors, they're going to be like, well, this couldn't have been a computer. A computer wouldn't have put a comma there. Yeah. So I'm trying yeah. to update my data sets a little bit <laughs> and kind of intentionally add some mistakes. Add errors. I mean, there's another one. I think um, I see a lot of TikToks being like, oh, if you put your essay through Quillbots, it will be undetectable. And it's like, as if people aren't seeing that and I'm not just going to run my data sets through that. Yeah. So yeah, okay. then I've got that as well. Like, Because it's, right, so it's a very emotive topic amongst yeah, students. People, like, people love talking about it. Since the press release about your app has gone out, Ellie's just poured coffee over herself. Here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so since that press release went out, you've talked to us about... LinkedIn says something very different to Twitter oh, says something, yeah. and then we'll come on to a really interesting Bristooth post, which yeah. we want to talk about. But just talk, tell us a little bit about that, how different uh, people so reacted. It's been, it's been really funny. So you, so it initially went up on the the uni LinkedIn thing, and the reaction with that was all ex exactly how you expect LinkedIn would act. It's all, oh yeah, you know, great job. This kind of tech is needed to stop students so and so so and so. <laughs> wow, so innovative, and you've got all of that stuff. But, you know, pretty much hundred percent, pretty decent. Mm. Uh, and then it went on to Twitter, and then the the Twitter response is it's about you know, 70% of people maybe being like, hey, I'm not really a fan of this. And then still you've got the 30% being like, hey guys, you know, this is still pretty cool. But then um, BBC put out a TikTok about it and Jesus Christ, the, in the entire comments of that are just, oh, kill this man now. He's going to get disappeared on his way to the laundry room. So, 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 and so. But I'm, I'm finding it hilarious because like some of the people that are, they found my Instagram through it and they're being like, mate, this is the guy that got chat GPT clocks, like get him. But I, I've started talking to some of them through the DMs once they've got me. I've managed to convert two of them into fans, mm -hmm. which I'm, I'm pretty proud of because yeah. it's, it's when you actually start talking to the people that, you know, do just send hate stuff, you realize they've got nothing else better to do. They do just kind of want someone to talk to half the time and half of them aren't even in uni yet. And it's like, I was like, bro, why are you worrying about this? You have nothing to worry about. Like. Well, I think most of it comes from fear, isn't it? Like, mm. it is definitely some, it's a very contentious topic, AI is, in yeah. general. And particularly, like, people don't 
who haven't used it or don't really know how it works, like no wonder people are scared of it. And yeah, you can understand no, why that thing can... I mean, it is, it is a black box to a yeah. certain extent. Mm. Like it is impossible to know what's going on and there's no explainability to it. So for example, this Brist Truth at first sight... Um, Should we just explain for, what Brist yeah, Truth is? On, so yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a something through uni where people put like comments and things they want to talk about. And there was someone posted a Briz Truth to like share with uni students all about your yeah. your startup about um And they're not always that deep. Like some no. of them are sort of silly things. Yeah. Oh the flowers are nice. Yeah. <laughs> but this was specifically about yeah, that yeah, kind of thing. your chat GBT detector. And it was a very, very long Briz Truth. One, and possibly one of the longest. Yeah, and very <laughs> articulate. But yeah, it was, it was a good post. I would say at first glance it looks like an attack on you. And then oh. at second glance, it looks like fear at the uni and the distrust of the uni. And yeah. then I think actually, if you look deeper and look at the responses, it's people just are scared of AI. And yeah, I think don't there, know how there it is works. a little bit of that. I mean, I, do you want to just start? Because you'll know, you'll probably understand it better than us what it was saying. Uh, yeah. So basically, it was saying that these detectors, most of them aren't actually too accurate, was one of the first things it was going into. Uh, then there's also a bit on my uh, my site when um, I'm trying to get people's opinion on AI marking, mm -hmm. and uh, the whoever wrote the Briz Truth is quite against the use of that, and that that's that's basically the the, the gist of it. And I it was a very well written post. I think there's a lot of good information in that, but there's also there's some kind of not understanding the um, the kind of future proofing of this, and I, I think there are a couple key points missed in like. Like I'm not trying to stop everybody from using it forever. For one, like I'm very, very pro ChatGPT. Mm. I, I, I love it. Uh, it's just we are in this kind of transitional period currently, so I do think it is needed currently. Because, like, say, say I'm paying twenty pounds a month. I've got ChatGPT four access, so she, uh, the normal ChatGPT can only write you know paragraphs at a time. Maybe GPT four that can write entire bloody essays. So if I'm paying for that access, and the guy next to me isn't even using ChatGPT because he hasn't been told about it, isn't using it. I can write things 20 million times faster than he can, even if they're not coming out at, you know, amazing level quality. At least I've got the base structure and yeah. then the yeah. stuff that I can change from that. And that will lead to better grades. So that's what I'm scared of currently. When, when we're in this transitional phase that people will be using it some people won't be using it and people will be left behind mm. and i i just don't like the idea of anyone being left behind it at this point mainly um and in the first two minutes here you said it's what your thing does isn't completely accurate so do you think yeah. there's kind of a dis and the post does touch on it there's a disconnect between what the uni wants to put forwards as its i don't know ai detection policy yeah and what people like you or Turnitin are saying well, to them in terms of their capabilities? So what I would say on that is everyone, no one really plagiarizes because of Turnitin. Turnitin is also very not too accurate at detecting yeah. plagiarism. Like there's there's hundreds of ways to get around it. And just quickly, Turnitin is like yeah, the so, standard. Yeah, so Turnitin, every detector. university, the universities pay about £2 per student, which is really? interestingly statistic, to get access to Turnitin. The lecturers then scan all of your essays through Turnitin and Turnitin will see if any of it's been plagiarised. And it essentially gives you like a percentage, doesn't it? Of yeah. how much your it, essay it, it, comes from something else. That's important yeah. as well, because it's not 
not a, oh, it's 61%, not 60. Yeah. And therefore this student struggled yeah. the course. That is exactly. the very first step. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But what, what I was getting onto is turn it in isn't really 100% accurate plagiarism detection. You know what I mean? I'm sure we all, you know, this is a studenty podcast. I'm sure we all have friends who have plagiarized half their essays mm. and it's still got through. Yeah. Yet that still is the, the industry standard. This is what we use to... And if it gets through Turnitin, it's exactly uh, and i mean the way mine works that is a, a bit different to um to other ones it does it kind of it doesn't give it the entire essay like it doesn't just give it one score it will just go through it and be like okay most of it seems fine but you might want to look at this paragraph okay particularly which um but yeah so so has turn it got its own because yeah. there's a and i think we've said this already but there's a key distinction here between plagiarism detection and AI detection, mm. where plagiarism yeah. is looking at stuff that exists and has been written, copying yeah. it. That is completely separate in terms of both how you do it and how you detect it to AI detection. Which so so what, um, what chat GPT usage will actually come under uh, for most university policies currently is um, something they call contract cheating. Okay. So that's the, that's the same sort of thing you'll get done for if, you know, when you see those... Um, those those stupid things in um, society group chats when it's just like we'll write your essays yeah. for yeah. you, the, you <laughs> yeah. know the essay writing squad. So that that's contract cheating, yeah. and that's kind of what the the chat GPT stuff would count under. It's so getting something to do your work for you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do think eventually that is going to become inevitable. You know, it kind of kind of has to, to be honest, doesn't it? You know, universities are meant to be here to teach people. You know, to um, get people ready for the working world. And eventually, this will become a working world. I think because mm. that I like the point you made about if you're not detecting it, then it becomes really unequal. As soon as people can pay for a better one mm -hmm. than people have available for free, or even worse, exactly. people that haven't been taught how to use it at all, yeah, you just have this like wild west. Yeah, for all. so that that's why in this transitional phase, it is just needed until it's common knowledge and everyone can at least have a chance. You know, people shouldn't be getting a head up just because they're a bit techie. Like, yeah. just to finish on the Bristol thing, like one of the comments was from a lecturer that yeah. said, like, it's the first stage. Yeah, if exactly. you've been accused of plagiarism, you then have quite a lot of opportunity. Yeah, it's like I would, I would hate it if my thing was used as the be all end all. You get, you know, instantly strike. Yeah. You're just, <laughs> you, you're just yeah. responsible yeah. for people just being like, know, it is, <laughs> shocked it is, off the boat. It is just a tool for lecturers to use so they can have a bit more confidence when they bring students in for that talk yeah. Yeah. and say, hang on, okay, then um, your essay, amazing, first class student, you've never actually put your hand up in a seminar why is this yeah. and you know kind of get behind those kind of more deep lying roots of whether someone's using it or not you mm -hmm. know it just gives them another tool in the arsenal so what are the next steps for ai ah uh, to be honest uh and anything at this point i think a lot of lot of options open so eventually what i what i really want to do i'm big into deep fakes and audio deep fakes uh they, I think they're the really worrying thing to soon come. And sorry to cut in, can yeah, you explain ahead. what a deep fake is? Yeah, sure thing. So um, a deep fake is basically a, a video of someone uh, where you can manipulate what the person is doing or saying. So there was a very good one on YouTube ages ago of um, uh, Peel doing, uh, Jordan, Jordan Peel doing Obama. And so it was Jordan Peel. Who's uh, Jordan Peel? Uh, he's, uh, he used to run a... 
he used to be in a sketch comedy duo, but now he does horror movies. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he did a, a video of him just talking, but then he did an Obama voice and put Obama over his face. And this was back in 2016 or something that yeah. he did this one. Pretty much indistinguishable for the average person, whether it's Obama or special effects. That tech has made so much progress over the last couple of years to the point where you don't even need someone that's good at impressions. You can just get, you know, say Rishi Sunak or something. Yeah. I find one Rishi Sunak speech of him talking for an hour. I put that into my machine and then I type anything I want. And then I have a perfect Rissy Sunak voice talking in his way within yeah. a place saying absolutely anything. So that's that's the detection that I actually want to get more into. Because I think mm. within the university world, whether the unis want it or not, eventually it is going to be needed that students will be using generative AI all the time. However, and I think that's fine, you know, that is at all at that point. What I don't think is fine is people being manipulated by it in the media. So it's say you see a video of Rissy Sunak saying some horrendous, horrendous stuff. I want to know that it was him that said it. Mm. Yeah, and it's not I mean. someone impersonating him. Ex yeah. Exactly, yeah. So that's that's where the um, AI name comes from because I just want it to be a kind of one-stop shop for, oh, hey, has it been AI'd? Yeah. Looks like it has been. We're gonna just take a whew. Little heavy step back from the, yeah. from the heavy stuff um, and do a little game of quick fire questions quick with you. Okay. Let's get to know okay. the man behind. Yeah, the this is where the Freudian slips are going to come <laughs> yeah, exactly. The way quick fire question works is it's basically how many questions can you answer in a minute? Oh, God. Okay. Um, they're not, nothing deep. Okay. Don't worry <laughs> at all. And um, who's written the questions this week? Um, the Let questions this week have been written by our very own ChatGPT. Oh, crazy. Um, so don't blame me if you don't like the questions. When we say our very own, that makes oh, it sound no, like we've developed I, it. No, Congratulations. No, I've neither made ChatGPT or do I own it, no. Three, two, one, go. What's your favourite movie of all time? Oh, that's a really tough one. Um, uh, Le, Le Planet Savage is, is this French one. It's called The Fantastic Planet in England. Cool. Ble the best place you've ever travelled to? Um, ooh, Iceland. Go to comfort food? A pizza. Do you prefer a physical book or an e-book? Uh, ebook. I got Kindle recently. They're amazing. Ooh, Love it. Favorite genre of music? Um, drum and bass. Favorite season of the year? Summer. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Would you rather go skydiving or scuba diving? Skydiving. Uh, what's your favorite type of workout? Um, that's a good one. Ooh, sit ups. Do you prefer a beach vacation or a mountain getaway? <laughs> uh, ooh, tough one. Beach. Favorite hobby or pastime? Um. Video games. Ten seconds. Do you prefer a sweet or savoury snack? Uh, sweet. Early bird or night owl? Uh, a bit of both. And stop. Very wow, good. good effort. <laughs> oh, really. That was nerve wracking. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed the questions this week. Going to give it 13. 13, 13 very points. nice. Particularly a mountain getaway. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. a lot of the time <laughs> we write these questions and go, no, nah, we're not asking that. Yeah. <laughs> and how similar was that to the ones that you guys were writing? Really not that different. At really? All, oh, well, I put in the quickfire questions from last week. That, yeah, that's so the best yeah. way to do it. Is yeah. that the, the context yeah. thing you were yeah. talking yes, about? Yes, that is exactly it. So that's what I would encourage anyone well using Thank it you. to do. If you give Thank it examples, you. it will do better. <laughs> yeah, Just quickly, what's another, say, what's another example of how you could do that? Um, so say, I think, 
you know, say you're writing an essay on something, you want the title, give it five potential titles and then tell it to come up with a list of other, other ones. Um, if you're trying to get it to write jokes or something, you can give it jokes beforehand. So I'm, I do the, the sketch comedy society here in Bristol, the uh, Rev Unions, come to our next show. It's, yeah. it's brilliant. Uh, but one workshop that we did with that was using ChatGPT to write sketches. So, and we found it work. If you just say, hey, ChatGPT, write a sketch about, you know, a McDonald's toilet. It, it will try, but it won't really be hilarious. But if you say, okay, ChatGPT, write a sketch about a McDonald's toilet. Here are some funny things that could happen in it. So, so, okay. so, so, so you've got yeah. this, 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 and this. Then it basically, you do the creative stuff. It does the kind of brackets hard part of actually writing it all down in a kind of sketch format. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the really useful way to do it because it's then, you know, you've given it all the pieces. It just has to put it together in a nice way. Yeah. Be a good way to find our next guest. What? Oh, yeah. Just put in all of our previous guests. And be like, find a guest I for me. <laughs> I actually put in, do you know who Ed Daniels is? Oh, God, I hope not. It, no, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Not that's... yet, but give it a few years. With GPT-4? Because they just explain quickly that it's, there's a cutoff, right? Yeah, yeah, there's a cutoff. Yeah. As yeah. in? Uh, that so mean? that's when the, the cutoffs, when like the training data stops. I think it's around like 2020, 2019 in the, um, in the actual chat GPT one, but there's. And of course, you didn't exist before then. So that means, no, <laughs> and what that means is the AI doesn't know that anything's happened past that Pretty point. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, however, if you, so Bing, uh, if you use the Bing chatbot, that's got access to the internet and that will do a search before it answers the question. Mm -hmm. So if you ask Bing chatbot, hey, do you know about this? And then give it the headline of whatever thing. It will search it first, read the articles, and then in the reply, uh, it will know about it. Right. Okay. So that's a bit of a hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'd recommend using the Bing one okay. to, to anyone. Mm -hmm. it's, it is pretty cool. You've touched on it with deep fakes. What big picture excites you, scares you about the next 10 years? Okay, so what excites me is you're going to have these language models in your phone. And that means you can give kids a personalized tutor that will be on their iPad. So instead of having a generation of iPad kids, you could have a generation of kids with their own little animated buddy that's inspiring them to learn in their own nice ways that they like. You know, say yeah. you've got a kid that's not too social it can still have a little friend that's kind of teaching it. Say you've got a very competitive kid, you could have it give them ways of kind of competing with it in mathematics and stuff like that, encouraging it. All these wonderful uses of it. I mean, it's getting smaller and smaller. There are large models that you can run on your phone now. So I think that is, that's coming quite fast. Uh, what scares me with it is all the misinformation stuff. I think already we're, we're in a kind of post-truth era. And this is only going to benefit people that kind of want to just flood the populace with information and cause, you know, just because I think there is a thing with millennials currently where you just don't really read the news because there's just too much bloody news. Like, mm. and this makes that even easier to just flood people with information and make them have that kind of apathy and disinterest in everything. So yeah. at the moment, someone can write five rubbish articles a day that are completely yeah. made up and you're saying that this means people could write 
Yeah, 50, exactly. Yeah. Whatever, exactly. Yeah. So this has been a thing for a while though, and it's just now that it's kind of coming up into the public, in like public sphere. So, so I used to run a newspaper called the um, the Daily Distorter, which I would just give um, GPT free headlines, and then it would write the article for me. And it meant that <laughs> you know terrible. it's easy to come up with just a funny joke headline, and then boom, you got article, boom, you got article, boom, you got article, and like that is where it just really started to scare me because I thought if I can make it do these funny informations funny stories what's stopping anyone from being like oh you know kosovo has just been invaded and then writing 20 different news articles about that flooding it out and then everyone thinks something's happened that's not there's a really interesting theory and i don't know where it sits on the conspiracy theory spectrum when the whole government drinks party stuff was around that um boris johnson was name dropping very weird events that that were linked to those parties but basically trying to confuse the SEO, the search engine optimization. So there's surely the worry of that as well. Basically, whenever someone does something bad, famous people, they they pay for people to push those stories down the Google pages. Exactly. So there's obviously a a usage for flooding important people to just flood the market i mean have you um again i'm gonna i'm getting my conspiracy theorist hat on now (laughs) uh, do you remember the ones uh whenever whenever new information was coming out about some of the um the ufos that u.s fighter pilots were seeing yeah allegedly that was always used to cover up other things that was happening so it's just like oh no something's happening over here hey everyone look ufos (laughs) crazy and if we can't detect any of it yeah we're completely powerless yeah well that's the thing as well like so even with these detectors even if the ai detectors are 100 percent accurate there's still the there's still so much misinformation out there anyway Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't take an ai to lie you know it's just like when people were worrying that say photoshop is going to cause so much misinformation when no we've had fake photos before photoshop we've had fake news stories before then yeah so do you think the way is to to detect ai or is it to work out whether what's written is true? Uh, what's a better approach? A bit of both, to be honest, because I think one definitely feeds into the other. Uh, I think another really important thing that should start rolling out as soon as possible is, is inoculation, is what they call it. So if um, if I talk to you about this stuff, you guys are going to look at your news articles with a little bit more scrutiny. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And it's important to always look at them and think, you know, is this article trying to make me feel angry? Is this article trying to make me scared? Because usually if things like that are happening, you've got, to, you've got to be thinking about the ulterior motive of the person writing the article. You know, why are they, you know, why are they trying to scare me? What are they trying, you know, who are they scapegoating here? And it's, it's these kind of things because, you know, misinformation has existed before these models and it will come after. So it's just more about educating the public on how to properly deal with it and know what's happening, in, in my opinion. Mm. And there have been a lot of studies that have shown that inoculation is the kind of best fix all for fake news. Just like backtracking slightly, you know how people always pretext with pretext criticism of social media with, oh, but we know all the great things it can do. Mm. I'm kind of skeptical that actually there is anything good about social media. You've just said there about kids being able to use AI mm-hmm. and that's going to be great. Are we being critical enough of that? Is it? Is it great? Like, is that a human thing that we want? Well, so or is it just happening anyway so to, we can't stop it? To be honest, I have been 
actively forcing myself to think about it in a more positive way because i think right. with things like this it's i used to be really really scared about most of it to be honest you, you know, use the term a, doomer yeah i used maybe, to be i used yeah. to be a massive doomer to be honest because i i read a couple you know so part of my um innovation project that's the that's the course i'm doing it is just all about ai and then doing this startup as well I, i've just been really kind of immersed in that whole world and area and it's it's so easy to get trapped in the whole kind of downward spiral yeah. aspect of it. I mean, there's there's a book I, a book I recommend everyone reading called um, A Hacker's Mind. And then one of the later chapters of that is it's all about how systems get hacked, basically. So like people shouldn't be able to get past tax. You know, everyone should pay their fair amount of tax, but people manage to hack those systems and get past it. And the later chapters of that book goes on to how AI is going to it's it's going to enable the rich to be able to hack pretty much any system because you know you won't need to have a team of lawyers or accountants combing through every single country's tax code you can just put it all into a model and it will scan through these and be like hmm actually if you move all of your money to ireland then to belgium then back to ireland you pay zero tax at all because of how these two interact yeah. i mean that that belgium island one that's an actual one that people currently do but that's just one of the ones that's been discovered um but i mean on the on the flip side of that in the less doomery per perspective uh did you remember like the panama papers when that was happening yeah that's you know a trillion terabytes of information about what panama. was that just remind me ah oh, so that was that was people avoiding taxes basically um they were using panama to do it some mm -hmm. some some regard of that um but basically there was too much information there to actually go through it so with these models you can go hang on jimmy Carr still isn't paying his taxes sort mm. of thing and you can get into that information a bit more so because the idea of money laundering is you make it such a confusing exactly that yeah, you can't you know, it's this detect. shell corporation okay. is this and this and this and it gets hard to track but you know a computer can do that but yeah I, I would say i am i i definitely am talking a bit more positively of things almost just to help myself to be honest because it is once you start going in the kind of you know downward slope it is very easy to get that way but i mean it's you know it's the same with like say like nuclear power or something like that you know you've got all of these horrible atomic weapons that can wipe us out in an instant but then you've also got a pretty renewable source of energy yeah interesting barnaby spoke on our episode last week yeah. in a similar way didn't he about nuclear mm, and also climate yeah he talked about his anxiety and he couldn't he tried to distance what he was trying to do with the the outcome because yeah. if you're worried about yeah, you just get consumed by the negativity, I think, if you 100%. always think about, like, what could happen and what, like, yeah. the road we're going along. Because it is scary and it's, like, very much unknown at the moment. Like, exactly. No it's, one knows where AI is going. But, you know, humanity's existed for so yeah. long, hopefully. Yeah. You know, if not, the cockroaches will have a lot to yeah. do on and that's a positive too. You know? Yeah, it might just be a phase. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, do so. think yeah. I do think there's a bit of that as well, to be honest. Yeah. I think it definitely can be a bit of a bubble. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Like, we care about this stuff, but not everyone does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's, gonna, it's whether it actually gets utilized to its full potential, I think, because it's, you know, you can, but that's the thing, even with just kind of normal coding, like there's a, there's a quite old book now called um, Automate the Boring Stuff, which uh, teaches people how to use Python. Yeah. And it's basically saying, you know, there's probably a lot of tasks in your job that you can just write a quick little Python script for, and it will help a lot. 
people still do all of those jobs by hand quite a lot of the time. So it's just because you can automate something doesn't mean every single person is going to suddenly rush to it and it's going to be the be all and end all. Yeah. But obviously the smart people might be. I think the worry is people with money and power hijacking it because we still have train drivers and tube drivers because that's what people, I think that's what people want. I think people definitely want a person. Yeah, sometimes we as like, there are 70 million people in the UK. We get to choose what, to some extent, by voting with our feet, what we want our society what to look happens, like. Yeah. Unless we become so like scared of it and disengage with it that we just let rich people hijack it and do yeah. stuff to us. I mean, I think you can see that happening with a lot of things, though, to be honest. Uh, I mean, there's lots of silly tactics with that that AI will help with, with the kind of manipulating the masses sort of thing. Because you've got... Um, one of, one of my favorite examples of it is say you want the conservatives to win in a certain area, you're never going to convince certain people to vote conservative. So trying to get those people to vote conservative, that's a moot point. So if the conservatives really want to win, what they do is they fund the Green Party in that area because it's a lot easier to switch someone from Labour to Green mm. than it is from Labour to Conservative. Yeah. And then because we're a first-past-the-post system, I mean, we're getting a bit political here, but, um, you know, because we're first-past-the-post, that is the... The, the goal, you know, those are wasted votes if they don't go to the party that's, you know, ends up getting that first pass. And that's the future of AI. Yeah. We, did, we, <laughs> yeah. we tried really hard to stay positive. Yeah. And we just, think just we hung, hung kind on. of ended on a negative, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a really good book called um, uh, 2049 AI Futures or something like that. And I, if you want a kind of more positive spin on AI stuff, I really recommend reading that. That's been helping me a lot. So it's, uh, that was written in 2019 about mm. what they predicted would happen 40 years, no, 30 years into the future. And it's brilliant because it's like, obviously in 2019, um, GPT was still a thing, mm-hmm. but they kind of did predict the whole chat GPT thing come in and kind of, it's already, if some of those predictions are coming a bit true, it makes a lot of it a lot more um, feasible. And it's mm. nice to see that people have been thinking about this for a while. It's just, it's only just kind of coming into the public. Mainstream, yeah. And still is spreading and spreading. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully people will listen to this and give it a go. Yeah. What's our feature? Our feature is the Bristol Guidebook. Nice. <laughs> We're going to make this a thing. Um, so... This week, we're going to be asking what your favorite coffee shop with Wi-Fi in Bristol is. Are you a Bristolian? Uh, I mean, Where I live in Fort Wells currently. Uh, Worcestershire when I'm not in Bristol. But I've lived here for about, you know, four four years doing my degree. So, you know, pretty pretty ingrained. I'm going to put mine on the table. Go on. And Boston Tea Party. Boston Tea anywhere. Party. Just great, good vibe for working. Because they, they don't... They don't get upset if you buy a coffee and then stay for like three hours. Four hours, yeah. <laughs> um, I'd say mine is Cafe Nero's on the Triangle. Again, really good for working. Great independent <laughs> yeah. names we're dropping really supporting here. the independent chains. Yeah, no, this one's really got me thinking. I don't really drink coffee too much. So I'm the, uh, where, where was that place that we met before? That was oh, nice. yeah, that was Future Leap. Future Down Leap. by the Arches. That's yeah. new, isn't it? Newish, yeah. yeah. It's like a co-working space. That was nice. Yeah, yeah no, we sat out there. Get you out on Stoke Croft, which is lovely. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that one. Uh, apart, apart from that, uh, Richmond Building. So the Balloon Bar is probably where I spend most of my time. Do you? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Well, there we are. Some great coffee shops. There's the guidebook for this week. Yep. Shut, <laughs> the, shut the book. We just want to end talking about how you can use ChatGPT. So if you haven't used it before, 
let's give it a go. Yeah. And what, where would you start and how would you do it? Uh, I think as a starting point, uh, one thing that is really important to, to know about it before you even get started is hallucinations and the problem of that. So that's not hallucinations in like the magic mushroom hippie sense. That's um, hallucinations in it will just kind of, it will lie. Uh, it will lie. So say you ask it for a quote from a book, it will very, very confidently give you a quote from a book and say, oh yeah, page 67, George definitely says so-and-so, so-and-so. Uh, but it will just, if you search the book, that would just be a blatant lie. So that's, that's one thing to take into account. Never, never really trust it. Okay, like always yeah. fact check. But I'd say second thing is like, when you first start using it just have a little fun with it because that really helps you understand the limitations understand how to talk to it uh, a really fun way to get started is uh, pick your favorite tv show character so say you know borat or the guys from always sunny in philadelphia or yeah. you know something like that and then ask it to explain a um a concept in your degree as that character so, you know, the, the, the always sunny bar guys are talking about, you know, inflation or something. And then what's nice about that is if you know the subject, you can see it go wrong sometimes. So, um, I my dad was doing one the other day about, I don't know if you guys know much about the Battle of Worcester, but, uh, so it's well, the, you're from Worcestershire. I, I, I am from Worcester, yeah. I'm also from Worcester. You'll no, know right. it well. Yes, in the Battle um, of Worcester, yes. So that was a battle between the parliamentarians and the royalists. Uh, he asked it if a certain person was parliamentarian or royalist, and it did just get it wrong. Yeah. But that can, it getting it wrong and you noticing it can also help your learning a bit because it almost turns you into the teacher. Mm. So say you're doing biology and you ask it, you know, what's the powerhouse of the cell? It gives you the wrong answer. You can then rewrite your prompt and say, the powerhouse of the cell is mitochondria. Mm. Please tell me more about so-and-so, so-and-so. Yeah. And it's that kind of active aspect of you being the teacher in the scenario that can really help for your learning. So that's one way you can definitely use it for uni. Um, so kind of getting it to ask you questions, right? Because um, well, like yeah, when I learn, was... I'll go to people, oh, can you quiz me on this? This Presumably yeah. ChatGPT can do that. It, well, yeah, so it can quiz you. It, it definitely can do that. But there's also, um, there's something they call the rubber duck method in, um, in coding, which is where you explain your code to a, a rubber duck on your desk. And, you know, the, so the rubber duck's meant to be only if you can't find a partner to do it with or something. Um, or you just don't like them. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, so it can, it can act as a really good rubber duck. Just, you know, you're telling it this thing. You go, yeah, do you understand this? And if it has questions about it, it can, you can answer, it can ask you questions about it and whatnot. Um, and if you're not at uni, what could you do? I mean, I've asked it for recipe, like recipes yeah, before. Re recipes are good. I've seen, um, I've seen one thing with it that actually combines image recognition with recipe guidance. So okay. you, you take a picture of some ingredients in your fridge and then it will automatically transcribe what you've got in your fridge, send a message to ChatGPT with, I have three apples, some butter, sugar, so-and-so, so-and-so, what can I make? And then it will give you recipes to do <laughs> with so that. Cool. That's so cool. So these are add-ons now coming out um, so that talk to ChatGPT, is that not, right? So I don't have the, I don't pay for the ChatGPT for, uh, but that's coming out with plugins soon, I think. Yeah. How I get most of my stuff is just uh, trawling through GitHub and finding out what the latest kind of projects people are making with yeah. it are. So that is a bit more techy. But I mean, we might see quite soon with GPT-4, 
where it becomes more of an app store. Yeah, pretty much. I, I do think it might become the next big app store because that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's a big thing. It's the biggest riser in websites ever. So yeah. that probably is where the money is. Um, but yeah, you can use it to respond to emails and whatnot. I always find that's quite a useful one. It's you kind of draft out an email. Like I've never been good at kind of formal speak in emails. Okay. So I say, you know, a reply to the, you know, I want to tell this person I'm free at five o'clock, so-and-so, 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 please write an email saying this. And then it will give it the kind of more formal speak that people expect in the email. And I don't have to give like the, hey, cheers, it's <laughs> Working out whether it's kind regards or best wishes. Yes. The- yeah. <laughs> so it's difficult to know. The conundrum. Yeah. I like the idea of like, explain beam bending as Joey from Friends. <laughs> that would be very Also, funny. imagine if you are famous, you can just say reply to this email in as... the tone of me. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've seen some YouTubers doing that for their scripts. So it's just, you know, write a script for a YouTube video in the style of this person. Yeah. And they are the person. That's great. That's like, funny. Yeah. That thing with the mitochondria, if it, say it got it wrong, does the, does ChatGPT then learn from you correcting no. it? No. So it, it, will, it will learn in the chat window, but the second you open a new chat, it's like speaking to the original one again. So it's so, not an evolving model. Uh, well, they might be evolving some of it behind the scenes. Like I wouldn't really trust them with too much of my sensitive data. Mm. But to my knowledge, no. It's because when when you get things like that, it's really really easy to. Um, I think they call it poison the the model. So did you guys see Tay AI? No. I have not. No. So this was one that Microsoft released on Twitter. Uh, it would learn from replies. So it, within 24 hours, 4chan had turned it into a neo-Nazi because it would just, um, you know, she would say something and then she could, oh, what do you think of this Nazi party political figure? And they would corrupt it and corrupt it and corrupt it until it just fought. That's how people on the internet spoke. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's why most places are kind of avoiding just letting user input uh, affect their models. And huge amounts of work has gone into ChatGPT to moderate it, hasn't it? Yeah, it not went, a lot. Was it like still, six months? Yeah, spent? no, that's that's the actual kind of secret source with their model, I would say, because there's lots of other comparable ones. But it's, it's what we were saying before with the kind of human in the loop stuff. That's yeah. the really important for making it like really good. I think we, we should that? call it a day because we could talk about this for yeah, hours and hours. Well. Thanks for yeah. having me. It's been thank absolutely you, wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope people have sort of got a better idea of of you and yeah. your your business but also like learned so much there about. Yeah, so much. And hopefully anyone who's listening actually gives ChatGPT a try. Yeah. Definitely. I really do yeah. think it's something worth trying. Yeah. Yeah. When I met Ed last week for the first time I'd used it once <laughs> and I have been I've made a conscious effort to, to use, it. use it and you just feel so much more empowered you get what it's good at and what it's bad at yeah. it's exactly. just, really just have fun with it is the yeah. main message because you know it's, it's like anything like once you once you're using it for fun it's just so much more interesting mm. yeah, recipes is a really good idea recipes yeah that's or what. book suggestions mm. yeah no that's a great one yeah. I, I got a really good book from it the other day it was called the yeah. um the cyber ad uh, cyber aid really recommend that it's um it's an old Polish science fiction one, but in it they have a um, he makes them, the guy makes a machine that can do poetry That's better cool. than um, better than people. So it's even though it's way way pre ChatGPT and yeah. AI, it's still got like some of the themes of it, which That's is quite nice. Funny. You've mentioned loads of books. We'll get them from you and we'll put them in oh, yeah, the show notes. That would be really helpful. Yeah. Thanks, Ed. Thank you, Ed. Cheers. Thanks a lot, guys. Mm-hmm.